The Santa Barbara Theater of the Air presents Louise Latham, Jean Nickel, Sylvia Short, and William Smithers in Lord Byron's Love Letter by Tennessee Williams. We are in the parlor of a faded old residence in the French Quarter of New Orleans in the late 19th century. The door of the room opens directly to the sidewalk. It's the festival time of Mardi Gras. The interior is very dusky. Beside a rose-shaded lamp, the spinster is sewing. Seated near her is an old woman wearing a black silk dress. That's probably someone coming to look at the ladder. Give me time to get out. Get behind that curtain. Won't you come in? Thank you. You're from out of town? Oh, yes. We're all the way from Milwaukee. We've come from Mardi Gras, my husband and I. Oh, this poor little bird in such a tiny cage. It's much too small to keep a canary in. It isn't a live canary. No, it's stuffed. Oh. <clears throat> Winston is out there dilly-dallying on the street, afraid he'll miss the parade, but the parade comes by here, don't it? Yes, unfortunately it does. I noticed your sign at the door. Is it true that you have one of Lord Byron's love letters? Yes. <gasps> How very interesting. How did you get it? It was written to my grandmother, Irene Marguerite de Poitfond. How very interesting. Where did she meet Lord Byron? On the steps of the Acropolis in Athens. Ah, how very, very interesting. I didn't know that Lord Byron was ever in Greece. Oh, Lord Byron spent the final years of his turbulent life in Greece. He was exiled from England. Yes, he went into voluntary exile from England. Because of scandalous gossip in the regent's court. Yes, involving his half-sister. It was false, completely. It was never confirmed. He was a passionate man, but not an evil man. Morals are such ambiguous matters, I think. Won't the lady behind the curtain come in? You'll have to excuse her. She prefers to stay out. Oh, I see. <clears throat> what was Lord Byron doing in Greece, may I ask? Fighting for freedom. Yes, Lord Byron went to Greece to join the forces that fought against the infidels. He gave his life in defense of the universal cause of freedom. What was that, did she say? He gave his life in defense of the universal cause of freedom. Oh, how very interesting. Also, he swam the Hellespont. Yes. And burned the body of the poet Shelley, who was drowned in a storm on the Mediterranean with a volume of Keats in his pocket. Pardon? And burned the body of the poet Shelley, who was drowned in a storm on the Mediterranean with a, a volume of Keats in his pocket. How very, very interesting. Indeed. Uh, I'd like so much to have my husband hear it. Do you mind if I just step out for a moment to call him in? Please do. Watch them carefully. Winston! Keep a sharp eye on them. Winston! Yes, now be still. Winston, remove that silly paper cap. Yeah. Sit down on the sofa. <clears throat> now, these ladies are going to show us Lord Byron's love letter. Uh-huh. Shall I proceed? Oh, yes, yes. 
This is my husband, Mr. Tutwiler. How do you do? And I am Mrs. Tutwiler. Of course. Uh, please keep your seat. <clears throat> He's been celebrating a little. Ask him, please, to be careful with his cigar. Oh, that's all right. You may use this bowl for your ashes. Smoking is such an unnecessary habit. Huh? Uh, th this lady was telling us how her grandmother happened to meet Lord Byron in Italy, isn't it? No. In Greece, in Athens, on the steps of the Acropolis. We've mentioned that twice, I believe. Ariadne, you may read them a passage from the journal first. Yes. But please, be careful what you choose to read. Like many other young American girls of that day, and this, uh, my grandmother went to Europe. The year before she was going to be presented to society. How old was she? Sixteen. Barely sixteen. She was very beautiful, too. Please show her the picture. Show these people the picture. It's in the front of the journal. What a lovely young girl. Don't you think it resembles Agnes a little? Yeah. Watch out. Ariadne, you'll have to watch that man. I believe he's been drinking. I do believe that he's been drinking. Yeah? What's she saying back there? Oh, Winston, be quiet. Near the end of her tour, my grandmother and her aunt went to Greece to study the classic remains of the oldest civilization. The oldest European civilization. It was an early morning in April of the year 1827. Yes. In my grandmother's journal, she mentions... Read it. Read it. Yes, please. Read it to us. I am trying to find the place, if you'll just be patient. Oh, certainly. Excuse me. Winston! <gasps> ah, here it is. Be careful. Remember where to stop at, Ariadne. Shh. We set out early that morning to inspect the ruins of the Acropolis. I know that I shall never forget how extraordinarily pure the atmosphere was that morning. It seemed as though the world were not very old, but very, very young. Almost as though the world had been newly created. There was a, a sense of earliness in the air, a feeling of freshness, exhilarating my senses and exalting my spirit. How shall I tell you, dear diary, the way that the sky looked? It was almost as though I had moistened the tip of my pen in a shallow bowl full of milk. So delicate was the blue in the dome of the heavens. And the sun was barely up yet. A tentative breeze disturbed the ends of my scarf and the plumes of the marvelous hat which I'd bought in Paris and thrilled me with pride whenever I saw them reflected. The papers that morning, we read them over our coffee before we left the hotel, had spoken of possible war. But it, it seemed unlikely, unreal. Nothing was real indeed, but the spell of golden antiquity and rose-colored romance that breathed from this fabulous city. Well, skip that part. Get on to where she meets him. Yes. yes. 
out of the tongues of ancients, the lyrical voices of many long-ago poets who dreamed of the world of ideals, who had in their heart the pure and absolute image... Skip that part. Slip down to where the actual... Please, here, do let us manage without any more interruptions. The carriage came to halt at the foot of the hill, and my aunt, not being too well... She had a sore throat that morning. ...preferred to remain with the driver while I undertook the rather steep climb on foot. As I ascended the long and crumbling flight of old stone steps... Yes, yes, that's the place. Go on, Ariadne. I could not help observing continually above me a man who walked with a barely perceptible limp. Yes, Lord Byron. And as he turned now and then to observe beneath him the lovely panorama... Actually, he was watching the girl behind him. Will you please let me finish? I was irresistibly impressed by the unusual nobility and refinement of his features. The handsomest man that ever walked the earth. The strength and the grace of his throat, like that of a statue. The classic outlines of his profile, the sensitive lips and the slightly dilated nostrils and the dark lock of hair fell down over his forehead in such a way... Oh, skip that. It goes on for pages. When he'd reached the very summit of the Acropolis, he spread out his arms in a great, magnificent gesture, like a young god. And now I thought to myself... Apollo has come to Earth in modern dress. Go on, skip that. Get on to where she meets him. Fearing to interrupt his poetic trance, I slackened my pace and pretended to watch the view. I I kept my look carefully averted until the narrowness of the steps compelled me to move close by him. Of course, he pretended not to see she was coming. And then, finally, I faced him. Yes. And our eyes came together. Yes, yes, that's the part. And a thing which I don't understand had occurred between us. A flush as of recognition swept through my whole being. It suffused. Yes, yes, that's the part. Pardon me, he exclaimed. You have dropped your glove. And and indeed, to my surprise, I found that I had. And as he returned to me, his fingers, ever so slightly, pressed the cup of my palm. Yes. Believe me, dear diary, I... I became quite faint and breathless. I almost wondered if I could continue my lonely walk through the ruins. 
And perhaps I stumbled. Perhaps I swayed a little. I, I leaned for a moment against the side of a column, and the sun seemed seemed terribly brilliant. It, it hurt my eyes. And close behind me, I heard that voice again. Almost, I, I could feel his breath on my... Stop here. That'll be quite enough. Oh, is that all? There's a great deal more. It's not to be read to people. Oh. I'm sorry. I'll show you the letter. Oh, how nice. I'm dying to see it. Winston, do sit up. Watch out, watch out. That woman can't open the letter. Oh, no, 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 please. You mustn't. The contents of the letter are strictly private. I'll, I'll hold it over here at a little distance so you can see the writing. Not too close. She's holding up her glasses. Only a short while later, Byron was killed. How did he die? He was killed in action, defending the cause of freedom. When my grandmother received the news of Lord Byron's death in battle, she retired from the world and remained in complete seclusion for the rest of her life. Oh, how dreadful. I think that was foolish of her. Oh, you don't understand. When a life is completed, it ought to be put away like a sonnet. When you've written the final couplet, why go on further? You only destroy the part that's already written. Read them the poem, the sonnet your grandmother wrote to the memory of Lord Byron. Would you be interested? Oh, we'd adore it, truly. It's called Enchantment. Ah. Une saison enchantée, I mused. Beguiled seemed time herself, her erstwhile errant ways briefly forgotten. She stayed here and smiled, caught in a net of blue and golden days. Not blue and golden, golden azure days. Caught in a net of gold and azure days. But I lacked wit to see how lightly shewn or time in you, to vagrancy so used that by the touch of one October moon from summer's tranquil spell you might be loosed. Think your love is writ on my soul with chalk to be washed off by a few parting tears. Then you know not with what slow step I walk the barren way of those hibernal years. My life, a vanished interlude, a shell. Those walls are your first kiss and last farewell. What's that? What's that, the parade? Hey, that's what we're here to see. Come on, Mommy, you'll miss it.
we usually accept, you understand, a small sum of money, just anything that you happen to think you can spare. Stop him. He's gone outside. Please, a, a dollar. Fifty cents. Or a quarter. Oh, my goodness. Winston, he's disappeared in the crowd. Winston, Winston, excuse me. Winston, oh my goodness gracious, he's off again. We usually accept a little money for the display of the letter. Whatever you feel that you're able to give. As a matter of fact, it's all that we have to live on. One dollar. Fifty cents or a quarter. Winston, oh Winston, heavenly days. Goodbye. They're trash. Trash. Gone. Without pay. Cheated us. Yes. The trash. Ariadne, my letter. You dropped my letter. Oh. Your grandfather's letter is lying on the floor. Love Letter by Tennessee Williams. The Spinster was played by Louise Latham. The Old Woman by Sylvia Short. The Matron was played by Jean Nichol. Her Husband by William Smithers. Lord Byron's Love Letter was produced and directed by your host, William Smithers. Recorded by the Production Room, Santa Barbara, California. Post-production, Lars Nelson. This has been a production of KCSB and the Santa Barbara Theater of the Air.